Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know that it what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is God's word. Please be seated. Good evening and Happy New Year. Kamoa. Before I begin, I'd like to say again that I bring greetings and love from your family in Japan. Uh, Secondly, I would like to say thank you for the opportunity the elders and Brother Abshar has given me again in allowing me to share with you this evening. I also appreciate very much the support of the missions committee, the church staff, and you. It's truly a blessing for me. And I hope and pray that my message this evening will be a blessing to you. Third, I would like to bring to your attention the importance of time. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7 through 12, we see that the Apostle Paul intended to leave the next day, so he preached until midnight. As a result, a young man literally fell asleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story window and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him, bringing him back to life. Why am I telling you this? Well, it is for your safety, of course. (laughs) I've been blessed to have about 30 minutes or less to talk with you. In the event that someone falls out of a window, don't worry, we are on the first floor. (laughs) However, I must warn you, that I am not Paul and I do not have the ability to heal you. Besides, I doubt any of you want me to jump on you. (laughs) Wait a minute, brother. (laughs) Speaking of Paul, our passage today is Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. And my talk today is entitled, The True Source of Our Strength. A true source of our strength. Before looking at the details of this passage, 
let's take a look at the background. As a missionary, over the years, I have been asked by several to explain why I decided to go to Japan. With the heavy influence of Buddhism and Shinto, Shinto, Japan is known to be a tough field. In answering, I would like to tell you that the reason I went to Japan was because I'm greatly qualified. I'm a powerful speaker, and I have excellent knowledge. However, this just wouldn't be true. In fact, I remember, I remember in one of my early preaching attempts in Japanese, I meant to say that God watches over his people. Instead, I made the mistake by saying that the, the honorable turtle watches over his carrots. No, I, I didn't come with powerful, persuasive words. Instead, I will tell you, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with elegance or superior wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear, with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. An excellent scholar, Paul, was an excellent scholar. He could have easily wowed his listeners with fine intellectual arguments. Yet Paul brought a simple message of Christ, and it was the Holy Spirit whom filled his words. Paul's confidence was not in his intellect or ability, but in his knowledge that the Holy Spirit was helping, guiding, and supporting him with his power. It is the power of God that sustains us. He is the true source of our strength is the power of God that sustains us. He is the true source of our strength. The knowledge of this fact was what prompted Paul to later write to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, saying, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul's letter to the Philippians is a visual proclamation of Paul's great joy in his knowledge, trust, and confidence in the oversurpassing power and care of God. It was his security in the Lord that he wanted to share with the church in Philippi. Philippi was a key city in the region of Macedonia, northern Greece today. During his visit in A.D. 50-51, Paul planted the Philippian church. It was the first church that he was able to establish on the European continent. As such, Paul shared a great relationship with his congregation. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, we see that Epaphroditus brought a gift in behalf of the church in Philippi to Paul. From behalf of the church in Philippi to Paul. In 86-1, in response to the joy and support that they had given him, Paul wrote a very personal letter to the Philippian church that has become a reminder to all believers of all time of the great joy, encouragement, and assurance we share in Christ. The irony of this letter is that the composition came during a tumultuous period in Paul's life. I have often heard that difficulties come in threes. Have you heard that before? I do not know if this is true or not, 
But Paul was certainly taking a three-problem test. As Paul wrote this letter, he was a captive of Rome in prison for two years for his faith. While he was visiting Jerusalem, and we see in Acts chapter 21, verse 15, through Acts 25, verse 12, Acts 21, 15, through 25, through 12, while he was visiting Jerusalem, some Jews had him arrested for preaching the gospel, but he appealed to Caesar to hear his case, Acts chapter 25, verse 11. Paul was awaiting a trial that could ultimately decide his fate. The burden of his own death must have worn on him mentally as the chains he wore physically. Adding to his plate of concerns, there were problems within the Philippi church. Two sisters in Christ whom Paul was very close were apparently fighting. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4 verse 2, Paul wrote, I plead with Eudea and I plead with Sinchi to agree with each other in the Lord. Now we don't know what their personal problem was, but evidently it was spilling into the church. These two women had been workers for Christ in the church. Their broken relationship was no small matter. Because many had become believers through their efforts. Often some of the biggest crises we will face as Christians happen within the church. I can attest as a minister in the Lord that there are few things more painful than trouble from another Christian. We expect a certain amount of trouble from the world. So when it comes from another brother or sister in Christ, we often feel unprepared. And we, we find it difficult to understand. This is especially true when the reason that the offender ought to know that what they're doing is sin. Yet they continue to do wrong by mistake or even by worse on purpose. Paul definitely had a lot on his heart. If the problem between these two sisters and Philippi was not enough, the church near him, the church in Rome, was facing problems too. See Philippians chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. Philippians chapter 1, verse 14 through 17. Paul was facing his three trials, and he had good reason to be down. But instead of writing a letter that would reflect his circumstances, he wrote a letter that emphasized his joy and his great source of strength. The concept of rejoicing or joy appears 16 times in this chapter, in these four chapters, excuse me, of Philippians. And the message of this letter is culminated in his exhortation in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, when he wrote, and I know you know this, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. The true source behind our joy and peace is God. Let me say that again. The true source behind our joy and peace is God. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Difficulty can present a problem or it can provide an opportunity. In many cases, the difference between tragedy and irony is a little perspective. Often when people have problems, they worry. 
The tragedy for them is that they are powerless to do anything. The irony, the irony is that they spend so much time worrying over a situation that they are powerless to change. They say that the difference between the size of a coin and the size of a sun is a difference of a few millimeters and millions of miles. Yet, we can hold that coin so closely to our eyes that we cannot see the sun. It is the same with our problems. Though God is so much greater, so much bigger than any problem that we will ever face, we can, we can take our problems and we can hold them up so closely to us that we allow it to block our vision of God. The tragedy that confronted Paul was that he was a man facing his death in prison for proclaiming his faith in God. The irony was that although he was a prisoner, he continued to exhibit an outlook on life that defiantly challenged the reality of his circumstances. Full of joy, Paul told the church to rejoice. The source of Paul's strength and our strength is the knowledge that God is near. See verse 5. Philippians chapter 4. Ultimate joy comes from the knowledge that God is with us. Ultimate joy comes from the knowledge that God is with us. This understanding gives us the ability to not only rejoice, but to be gentle too. There's definitely a correlation between the two. Have you ever met a Christian who is a jerk? Sadly, there are some out there. A person once said that the church would be a great place if it wasn't for all the people. What a sad testimony to the fact that some work towards pain and conflict instead of working towards joy and peace. Usually people who struggle with joy find it difficult to be kind. No matter how you squeeze a lemon, the juice will always be sour. On the other hand, If you find a Christian who is joyous and gentle, you have found a true Christian who is tapped into the power of God. This Christian has peace and is not not anxious about anything. A Christian is one who has experienced the presence of God in their lives and they are sustained by the knowledge that their heavenly Father is always near. Because God is near... We can call on him at any time in prayer and have the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul mentions the peace of God. Paul mentions the peace of God. This is the only time that this phrase appears in the New Testament. Peace, like love, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, is a characteristic of God's nature. Amazingly, He offers to share his peace with us. God's peace is not like the world's understanding of peace. See John chapter 14, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. God's peace is not like the world's understanding of peace. The world's understanding of peace is like a duck on water, calm on the surface, but kicking like crazy to stay afloat. Excuse me, this way. On the contrary, God's peace is like the eye of a hurricane. When the storm and destruction of life are swirling all around us, we can be at the center of all and have that peace of God which transcends all understanding. As someone once said, true peace is not just found in positive thinking in absence of conflict. 
or I might add, when the kids finally go to sleep. No, instead, it comes from knowing that God is in control. And it comes knowing that God is in control, that we can trust in his all-supplying power to meet all our needs in any situation. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. The true source behind our joy and peace is God. The true source behind our thinking and lifestyles, behind our thinking and lifestyles as Christians, is God. Paul continues in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, writing, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. When you enter into a garden, be sure to smell the roses and not the fertilizer. It's easy to find what is wrong with life, isn't it? Paul challenged us to change our view, and now he challenges us to change our thinking. The French philosopher René Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. I would tend to think that Paul would agree. What we put into our minds determines what is revealed in our lives. Paul tells us to program our minds. Why? Because our thoughts can be powerful. Right thinking, right thinking empowers us to focus our sights and faith in God, which leads to a life of peace. In Titus chapter 1, in Titus chapter 1, verse 15, Paul wrote, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and consciences, consciences, excuse me, are corrupted. The Life Application Commentary writes, Some people see good all around them, while others see nothing but evil. What is the difference? What is the difference? Our souls become filters. Our souls become filters through which we perceive goodness or evil. The pure are those who have God empowering their lives. They are those who learn to see goodness and purity even in this evil world. However, the corrupt and unbelieving find evil in everything because their evil minds and hearts color even the good they see and hear. People often ask me this question, and I'm sure you've, you've heard this question come along at some point too. If there is a God, why is there so much evil in this world? You heard that before? I answer that God is not the cause of you, but the problem is sin. However, I want to ask them, if you can recognize that this world is so evil, how come you fail to recognize that God is so good? Many see the world as evil, yet fail to see themselves as evil parts within the world. They recognize the wrong without seeing the greater right. You cannot recognize a curved line without first having seen a straight line first, right? Whatever you choose to fill your mind with will affect the way you think and act. Turn your thoughts to God and his word, and you will discover more and more goodness even in this evil world. A mind filled with good has little room for what is evil. 
After instructing us on how to think, Paul proceeds to tell us to put what we have learned into practice. Sadly, many Christians are long on dissertation but short on application. Do as I say, not as I do. How then, as Jesus commands in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, can we shine our light before men that they may see our good deeds and praise our Heavenly Father? Actions always speak louder than words. Especially when it comes to faith. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. James, in James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. James chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. In the same way, Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Did you ever hear of the godly man who was more man than godly? Unfortunately, some people know how to talk the talk, but they don't know how to walk the walk. But an empowered life that reflects the Lord is the one who walks and talks with the Lord. Christianity is a life to be lived, not a statement to be read or a name tag to be disregarded at convenience. It is not enough to hear or read the word of God or even to know it well. We must put it into practice. The true source behind our thinking and lifestyles as Christians is God. Excuse me, is God. Finally, the, the true source behind our strength is God. Bless you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 13, we reread. Philippians chapter 10, uh, Philippians chapter 4, excuse me, verse 10 through 13, we reread. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but I had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul returns to the personal side of his letter to the church at Philippi. He thanks them for their kindness, and though he certainly appreciated their generosity, he wanted to make it clear that he was not asking. Paul was not like the type of friend who only comes around when he needs you. Paul had a secret that he wanted to share with the church in Philippi. Paul writes that he had learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. We live in a world of ill content. Statistics reveal that one of the leading causes of mental illness, social issues, drug abuse, and crime is the problem of ill content. People are just not satisfied. Did you know the English word happy comes from the English word happen? If something good happens, we are happy. The problem in life is, is that there's just not enough happy things to satisfy our deepest needs. True contentment comes from knowing that God God will meet all our needs. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 7, 1 Timothy chapter 6, 6 through 7, Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. 
The word contentment in this verse and in the Philippians passage means an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace despite outward circumstances. An inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace despite outward circumstances. It is this truth that Paul sought to impart to all believers. His message is not an instruction for us to be complacent with life, but a communication of the triumph over life through learned dependency on God. Paul would never encourage complacency. In fact, early in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, he made it clear that he, had, he, had, he too had areas in which he could spiritually grow. No, he was talking about learned experience. If you read about Paul, you'll find that his life was not an easy life, but it was a life that was definitely fueled by the power of God. Paul said that he had learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. He then shares his secret. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The Christian walk will either strengthen you or it will break you. It all depends upon your ability to trust in God's power and deliverance. See Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. If your faith is not powered by God, you will not be able to stand as a Christian. There's no faking it. There's just making it. It's easy to die for the Lord, but it's hard to live for him. The Apostle Paul is a great example of a Christian whose worship for God filled him so much on the inside that he was beyond the concerns of life on the outside. The true source behind our joy and peace is God. The true source behind our thinking and lifestyles as Christians is God. The true source behind our strength is God. Paul knew how to be content whether he, would, he had plenty or, or whether he was in need. A tree may grow big and strong, but where would that tree be without its roots? We can forget, we cannot, excuse me, we cannot forget that our true strength lies with God. Whether we will stand or fall depends on how deeply we are rooted in the Lord. Once again, I would like to say thank you for this opportunity to talk with you, to share this message with you today. I'm deeply honored. I thank you so much for your love and your continued support of us. Please continue to pray for our mission endeavors in Japan. We will continue to pray for you. At this time, I wish to extend the invitation of our Lord to all those who are outside of Christ. That is, those who have never surrendered their lives to Christ, repented of their sins, and confessed Him as Lord of their lives. In Romans chapter 6, 3-5, we find these words of the Apostle Paul. All of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. It is always a blessed opportunity. It is always a blessed opportunity for all of us when someone gives their life to Christ. And it begins. And it begins, this experience begins in tapping into the power of God. And that life grows to an abundant life. 
there may be some here this evening who have other needs which uh, we would love to come for you to come forward and allow us to attend to those needs. And if you're seeking prayers, we, we would love to pray for you. Maybe perhaps there are some of you here that have fallen away from the Lord and you want to come back. Whatever your need, please make it known now while we stand and sing. Yet be held.